Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for leaders in education brought to you by CMU, the Center for Charter Schools, a leader in educational choice and quality. My name is Orlando Castellan, and I'm here with my colleague, Janelle Brzezinski. Hello, Janelle. How are you? Doing great. I'm excited to be here for another episode. Um, Monthly, we bring this podcast to our listeners. Um, We are available on our website, which is thecenterforcharters.org, where you can see all of our episodes there. Um, We're also available on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify, or any of the other podcast streaming platforms. So excited to have another great conversation today um, and learning a little bit more um, from one of the organizations that works with some of our partner schools. That's right. We have Distinctive Schools, which um, operates four schools here in the state of Michigan, uh, nine total, uh, some in Chicago, some in Michigan, serving about 3,900 students um, in between Chicago and Detroit. Uh, And they're going to talk to us a little bit about social emotional learning. Yeah, really great to have um, a few members of the Distinctive Schools team joining us here for our conversation today. Um, The first one's Mike McCarthy. He's their executive director of student services. Um, We also have Sarah Gaw, who's the network social emotional learning coordinator. And she had some great insights to share with us as well as um, the other person that's joining us for the conversation today is Anthony Claypool, who is their director of data and assessment. So some wonderful insights from from the three of them and how their team has navigated um, and continues to evolve the very important um, topic and concepts around social emotional learning. And we know that um, a lot of schools are dealing with the social emotional learning right now and uh, wanted to provide a little extra thought partners for them to consider uh, and, and see one of the other, uh, one of their colleagues in action. And so that's why we are uh, having a conversation with Distinctive Schools and, uh, regarding social emotional learning. So st- uh, stick aboard for this conversation uh, with Distinctive Schools up here next. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So we're very fortunate to be here with our three guests from Distinctive Schools. Mike McCarthy is the Executive Director of Student Services. Anthony Claypool is the Director of Data and Assessment. And Sarah Gaw is Distinctive Network's Social Emotional Learning Coordinator. And welcome, everybody. We're glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So we wanted to talk a little bit about social emotional learning, knowing that uh, students are struggling with this across the country, but and, and we have listeners across our spectrum, uh, meaning we've got some board members uh, with very little understanding of what that means. And we have educators that listen to the podcast that completely understand kind of the work that you guys are doing. Can you thread the needle for the rest of us and help us understand when, when the discussion is about social emotional learning, what does that mean? Uh, it's a great question, and it's one that it took us a couple of years, I think, to sort of iron out for ourselves. So social-emotional learning is the way in which um, you can help a student focus on their self-awareness, on their um, self-management, on their social awareness, 
on their responsible decision-making and on their relationship skills. Those are the five competencies that really expand beyond um, the the traditional academic realm um, of curriculum instruction. Um, and Sarah, feel free to jump in here at any time. It's it's basically the forward-facing or forward-looking skill set that we want our students to have to be healthy, productive um, adults. Yep. And just to add there, it's not something that is simply a buzzword. I know it's very popular right now and more important now than ever um, as we are transitioning um, within the, the pandemic. Um, but it's something that has been important uh, when we were students and many, many years before that, and it'll continue to be of importance as we move forward. And you you speak to the importance of it and certainly being an organization that's focused on the service of of the students and the schools that you work with. Can you speak a little bit about um, the motivation for the approach that you have taken and kind of that progress over the life of the organization of of how you have um, kind of gone on this trajectory of, of the innovative practices that you've put into place to serve your students? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Sarah, Sarah and Anthony, like help me um, kind of fill in some of the details here. But <clears throat> as an organization, um, Distinctive Schools, uh, when it was founded, really focused on shifting school culture um, to produce like happy, um, healthy environments. And a lot of that um, focused on teacher culture, uh, which then influences student culture. And so um, about six years ago, we did a, an evaluation across the network where we took a, about six months and reviewed practices across all of our campuses uh, in social emotional learning, in behavior management, in student teacher relationships to, to see where we were going and how things were, were looking. And there were a lot of amazing practices. There were also um, a lot of inconsistencies between the different campuses. And so we used that time to um, to surface those those better practices, surface any needs that we have, and using our teacher design model, where we really empower our teachers to look at a look at a, a, a challenge and try to solve for it. We then um, put an SEL roadmap in the hands of our teachers uh, to ask them to sort of create within a walled garden of um, of um, design for for social emotional learning. Yep. And what we found was that the gaps that emerged uh, was really in the explicit instruction of the SEL. Our teachers are wonderful at building strong relationships, at at cultivating um, warm environments so that students feel safe and that they belong. Um, But really, it was the explicit instruction of the SEL skills aligned with CASEL that we, we didn't find being delivered in our classrooms. Um, and that's kind of where we made the switch or the, the transition to uh, selecting an SEL curriculum. Um, because we understand as teachers ourselves, we didn't have that training. You know, I, I learned how to teach math. I learned how to teach reading and writing. Um, but really in my teacher prep program, there really, really was little talk about SEL. Um, it wasn't until I got actually into the schools. And even then, there was not much talk about SEL skills. And so we understand that our teachers may not have that training that's necessary um, in developing the SEL skills within their students. But then, like Mike mentioned, also the importance of teachers building their own SEL skills, because the research has shown that if you're a teacher 
that has low SEL skills is very difficult for you to build those within your own students. And Sarah, yeah. can you speak a little bit more to some of the resources and structure that have come from that work that you're speaking of and what, what you have in place and how you support your school specifically in that way? Sure, absolutely. So uh, about this time last year and even before then, um, earlier last fall and winter, we were working with our expanded design teams with the, um, the SEL expanded design team, which is a nice broad uh, representation of all different roles within our organization. And we knew we wanted to get a SEL curriculum into the hands of our teachers and our students. And so last year was much of the research phase, really trying to find a program um, and an organization that aligned to our values um, as we are uh, as a, a charter network um, and would really meet the needs. And so we explored many different curriculums, um, looking for something that was data rich and feedback driven, could keep up with our fast paced culture, um, constantly innovative and reiterative and just trying to meet the needs of our students and our teachers. Um, and then the ability to be delivered in many modes. Um, you know, it, it, in hindsight, it's really crazy that we had that forethought because at the time we didn't realize that we would be transitioning to, you know, remote back in March. Um, but there we were last spring and we were um, primed to select a really good program, um, but then also having some context of um, the, the remote instruction. And so that's where we landed on Move This World um, as our curriculum. They've been wonderful partners because they do align very similar to us as in our mission and our goals. Um, constantly asking for feedback and, and constantly coming out with resources to just make the most out of the curriculum for our students and our teachers. And can you speak as a follow-up to that, can you speak quickly too about um, the balance that may need to be um, there between a structure as a network and the wonderful resources that brings with also the uniqueness of each of the campus and the schools that you serve. Um, can you speak a little bit more about that and, and how you've kind of navigated that through providing these resources? Sure, so um, <clears throat> like Mike mentioned, it's really important to build the walled gardens. Um, we've become accustomed to talking about brand and branch um, so Move This World became our brand. Um, that is something that the expectations that our teachers are delivering Move This World lessons every single day. And they're not very long. The videos are about three to five minutes long and um, they are accompanied by some discussion questions. And really that's it. Um, and the guidance is for them to work that in to their uh, community gathering in the morning, which is something that they were already very accustomed to and was a practice at each campus. And so, having the understanding, all right, you're gonna use Move This World. Um, there's a plethora of resources within the platform, but then also designing our own brand resources, including implementation guide, a pacing guide, so that everyone knows, okay, around this time of the year, you should be around this percentage um, of progress through the platform. Of course, there are variances because not all of our schools start at the exact same day. Um, some start in August, some in September. So there is some variance there, but the main expectation that everyone's doing it at least one time a day um, is kind of our brand expectations. And then campuses use um, on top of that, um, how they 
how they see fit. There are other elements and other um, family resources, other uh, professional development um, opportunities. And so from there, those are all made available to all of our campuses and how they feel to, to use those um, is up to them. So I was just, uh, many of us experience the classroom through uh, either being a student ourselves or uh, being a parent and watching our students go through the, uh, go through the, the, the schools and their communities, wondering as a parent, as a student, how is this approach different and what do parents and students uh, experience when they are entering a distinctive school experiencing, uh, you guys mentioned SEL, the social emotional learning, the approach that you guys take. Um, so, so that we talk a lot about, um, like with our school leaders. So, um, the, the feeling and the, the approach starts with our school leaders. And we're fortunate that, especially in Michigan to have, um, five amazing leaders at our four schools. Um, and that Cassie, Cassie Williams on our, um, on our network team uh, who runs the region is just remarkable when it comes to being able to support and assess um, the way social emotional learning is being implemented within the, within the building. And um, Anthony can talk a little bit further about like how we actually like get into the, the data side of things. But um, in terms of like that unique approach, um, we focus first on relationships and especially right now, um, that's going to be our focus moving forward. So those student teacher relationships um, should be felt from the moment that you walk into a building. Um, and then when you um, actually get into a classroom as a parent, um, you're going to see um, special structures that are not uncommon in schools, but are absolutely parts of the professional development that our teachers are growing. So for example, you're going to see a community meeting each and every single day. Um, teachers can design when that is, uh, what exactly it looks like, sometimes even how long it is, um, but we'd like to have that move this world element um, within it at some point. And um, we'd also like to have it those, um, the elements from whatever was taught in the community meeting that day integrated throughout the rest of the day. So the idea here is it's not just social emotional learning isn't just a one-time lesson. It's not a, a simply a character education piece. It's actually a piece that's then revisited throughout the course of the other math, literacy, social studies, et cetera, um, lessons that, that students are going to have um, each day. Um, some other things that like a, a parent might be able to notice would be cool down corners, which we um, implement in all of our classrooms as a space where a student can safely take some, some moment and some, some, some time for reflection um, and for calming down or just be able to take a break. Um, you know, one of the things that we realize right now is that uh, cognitively, like our executive functioning is all, um, is all adjusting during this pandemic, especially. And so we're going to make sure that those uh, classroom environments are conducive, um, are conducive to, to, to a warm, safe place to be able to take that break. A couple other like school-wide things that you would see, you're definitely going to see a pride assembly at the end of each week or uh, within each week, celebrating uh, the heck out of uh, the hard work that our students, teachers, and, and families are doing. Um, those are hosted sometimes school-wide. Um, you're probably going to see pride packs, uh, which are ways in which our, our students actually teach um, our uh, pride, our pride uh, components or pride elements. Uh, there's going to be mentoring at every school. And again, that's an example, actually a good example, I think, of where we, um, Brandon Branch is a little bit different. Mentoring could just be pairing a uh, sixth grade classroom with a second grade classroom during literacy. 
It could also be a set time on a weekly basis where the whole school splits into K through eight groups and go over social emotional learning lessons um, that are designed by the middle school students. So there's a lot of different ways in which we approach that. Um, and that's, I, I think I answered your question, Orlando, but um, if there's follow, uh, we're happy to. No, that, that's very helpful, Mike, because I think sometimes, um, you know, really trying to connect the direct actions that you guys are taking with the concepts uh, for those that are uninitiated in the social emotional learning space. And I've heard you guys talk a couple times about the Move This World curriculum, which sounds like one of the partners you guys have engaged. Can you talk a little bit more about how you use assessments? I've heard you talk about the assessments with the Move Your World curriculum, how those two fold together to help continue to inform the uh, on-site management of, of uh, future initiatives. Sure. So um, we're really proud to have launched um, an assessment called CellWeb um, this past fall with, you know, Mike and Sarah's leadership on that. Um, and that assessment, um, based on individual grade bands, um, kind of measures the, uh, the students, you know, development, social emotional development across a few domains that are kind of um, relative to their, you know, their age and development. Um, and uh, we're using that in our um, uh, school improvement work um, pretty um, pretty closely. Uh, the, the the idea is to try to take a you know a baseline of where the social emotional um, level was at the start of this year, uh, have it using, you know, the uh, Move This World curriculum and any other sort of um, supplements that we do to try to, to, to track and develop on that. Um, and I think it, it plugs into and balances out um, a very sort of, you know, powerful um, school improvement apparatus that has been kind of the theme in education in the 21st century. Um, and we've gotten pretty good at measuring uh, academic achievement um, or, you know, certain compliance or operational things. But I think where we where we're really stand a lot to grow um, as a as a um, sort of uh, institution of, of, of education, not just our individual distinctive schools is measuring students' development um, in, in how they process their own feelings and recognize their own feelings and emotions and how those, you know, um, those skills help, you know, promote, you know, stronger social uh, interactions, um, whether that be, you know, peer-to-peer -peer or with, um, with younger junior people um, or with adults. And what we really like about the Cell Web is that it's unlike other typical SEL assessments, which are teacher report or maybe a self-report, a survey that students complete. Solve is a direct assessment of those SEL skills. And I liken it to for our teachers that just like we use MAP or any other of our curriculum assessments to drive that instruction and personalized instruction for our students, we will use the same, the cell web data the exact same way. Um, but instead of using our ELA or our math curriculum to then um, you know, fill in those gaps identified by the cell web assessment, uh, we will use the Move This World curriculum. So Move This World is the tier one, the tier one um, delivery of this SEL skills. Um, and then within there, we can also uh, pick and choose based on what students are, are demonstrating as a need, um, a place to go a little bit deeper or whatever um, staff members that are working a little bit cl more closely with those students, they have another resource, an SEL resource, Move This World, that they can help deliver and build those skills um, for our students. 
that's where things are really exciting um, for us because this year we're using the cell web data and move this world's um, curriculum data really to to ensure the fidelity of implementation across all of our campuses like that's that's we want to make sure that 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 uh, tier one soil that Sarah referred to is rich with all of the ingredients that we want from um, or all the nutrients sorry that that Sarah like has in move this world right and so um, in terms of the future, that's where we're we're thinking that the, um, the campuses will help us lead the way. So there's going to be some schools that will start to shift to more systems, probably like uh, approach to focusing on different skills as an entire community um, from within the Move This World curriculum, whereas others will start to break off and use this within their MTSS program to say, okay, so we have um, these three students um, in this class and these three students in this other class um, need some support when it comes to like their responsible decision making. Like let's let's take a look at how we can uh, provide a maybe like three or four week intensive like small group where they get some of that help. Um, and so the idea of being able to, uh, whatever ways we're going to be doing this, it's probably going to be more responsive, um, and, and in an attempt to be proactive over the, over like the next couple of years in terms of like making sure that these, uh, that these skills are being taught and these competencies are being developed. So we don't know actually what the future holds exactly, but we're excited about our teachers being uh, ready to help lead us there. And as you spoke a little bit earlier about how the timing really aligned with the pandemic and the shift to remote learning, um, just to, to back up more in concept, can you speak a little bit to um, the difference between the needs um, of an in-classroom setting versus the remote setting and maybe some of the additional resources and supports that children have needed um, as, you know, at least some form of remote instruction remains for at least the short future. Um, can you speak to the, the difference there and what shift or maybe um, supplements had to be added um, to really adapt to the needs of the child in the remote setting? I think it really brought us back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We, of course, inform our teachers and really remind them of the importance of that, but it was a real eye-opener for many of our, our classroom teachers because now they had a window literally into their students' homes. Um, and for some students, it, it may not have been the most um, reliable and structured home, um, certainly compared to their, their classrooms that they had known. Um, for some of our families, um, you know, work became a real need. Um, and with that, you know, they had mouths to feed. And so um, looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's really getting at the, those basic needs. And so our campuses, we remain, we continued food service. Um, we had one campus that did, uh, you know, care pack packages for whatever families needed. Maybe they had a, an infant at home. They were collecting diapers and delivering them. And so we understood wholeheartedly that if we even want our students to just even turn on their computer um, for remote instruction, that it was so important to make sure that their basic needs, and not just that of the students, of the families, really, um, as a whole, that they were, they were being met. And so really that's where we led. Um, and then it was really an emphasis on building those relationships, understanding that some students may not com be comfortable turning on their camera, um, and that's okay. Just knowing that they're there, um, having some form of communication just so that we can, you know, make sure that they're safe um, and that they, whatever they need, whether it's something with tech 
um, whether it was um, some meals that they knew that their needs were being met, um, but just continued that that dialogue and that come and and those relationships. Luckily, this time last year, we'd already had months of of established relationships to rely on. Um, and throughout the summer and then the start of this year, still being remote, um, it was a good foundation that we laid last year with our families understanding we are here for you, whatever you need. And that kind of transitioned our different, um, our, our community care program, um, really just the foundation is get families what they need. Um, and through that, we know that we'll be able to get to the academic instruction and the SEL instruction, but really meeting those basic needs at first. And then as you guys think about transitioning back to in-person schooling, which is the next step that we have to take, what do you anticipate some of the needs might be in order to ensure that students are supported? Um, I'm, I'm sure that that is going to be another challenging transition for both students and staff. Yeah, that's, that's at the crux of what we're designing for now. So, um, mental health, well-being, trauma, um, and wellness. Those are going to be our areas that we're really trying to help support um, students, teachers, and families um, over the coming months. And in order to do that, we've got to be able to figure out um, first and foremost, like how to get all of our kiddos in, in uh, access to all of our students. Um, and, and I think that that remains um, a focal point. While there's a small percentage of students that we're not connecting with at this time, um, those students are at the forefront of our mind and we're, we're really worried about being able to, to um, approach them. So our, we've got teams going out, trying to you know, get to the houses, bring Wi-Fi, bring the food, um, check in on other resources. Um, but I think over the next like couple of um, months, at least, if not years, we are really gonna be focused on uh, establishing the community partnerships um, in, with, with mental health organizations, with community counseling agencies to be able to support the entire community, not just our students and not just our teachers, but our families as well. Um, as we all as we all come out of this, because the the trauma that we that we are universally experiencing is so personal and so unique to each one of us uh, that we really need to um, we really need to make the space I think uh, for for our school communities to be able to work on that. I think the the learning loss um, you know that's been so widely discussed um, is a natural like connection to, to those issues. If we don't resolve those from Sarah's earlier discussion about Maslow's hierarchy, we're going to um, have a harder time addressing learning loss. And, and we have confidence in our like academic program that we'll be able to um, address those. But again, it, it, it comes in tandem with being able to address the larger uh, traumas that the, that the community has experienced. Well, and as we wrap up today too, um, we always like to ask everyone as this is a, a education focused podcast, we like to um, give our guests an opportunity to share about a teacher that had an impact on, on your life as then you, um, you know, have moved through your professional career um, into serving schools and students as well. So I will, I will kick that off to Anthony first if you wanna share with us about a teacher that's had an impact on your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it was what I tried to bring to the classroom is, is something that I got from, from this teacher. But um, I wouldn't necessarily she was my, say she was my favorite teacher, but she had a, um, a weekly journal writing um, item. And um, every, every standing assignment was every student would write a journal asking any questions. 
um, of anything, in talking, you know, in a sort of friendly way or, um, you know, just sort of mentoring. Um, but I would often, um, you know, write questions about things that were going on for me at home. And she would give the most, you know, uh, wonderfully long, well thought out, you know, responses. It was like having a pen pal, you know, with your teacher. I'm in their, their time. She's like, yeah, she had a procedure for if this is private, you don't want, you know, anybody to do that. Look at this and review it this week. Um, and that was something that just really sort of stuck with me. The amount of time and care that um, she put into you know, developing a strong relationship with her students. Um, I, I never did the journal writing with my, my second graders um, for, for that purpose. Um, but did try to do everything I could to establish a real trusting, um, familial relationship with my students. That's awesome. Um, Mike, any, any teacher that sticks out to you? Yeah, third grade, uh, Hamden, Maine, in elementary school, Miss Hutchins um, was known within the school, our, our elementary school, actually, like third grade was the oldest grade. And she was known as, as very much the matriarch of the school um, to the point where if you were in kindergarten and you saw her walking down the, the hallway, you might sort of straighten up and, and, and walk a little bit uh, more quietly with your body. Uh, but that was just because um, underneath a little bit of a hard stare uh, was the most kind um, and strong relationship that, that you could ask for. Um, Anthony referenced journals. I was journaling with her all the time. She was helping me navigate everything from frustrations in math uh, to, uh, you know, um, my neighbors at like a desk and like whatever drama might be going on there in third grade. Uh, she was always awesome and, and really invested in taking time each week uh, to meet with every single student in her class to get to know them um, and to, to be able to help them better. All right. And Sarah, any teacher that you want to share with us about? Sure. So my kindergarten teacher, Ms. Nelson uh, from Donjas Bay Elementary in Mequon, Wisconsin. Um, she reminds me a lot of um, what Anthony and Mike shared, the personalized attention that you receive, the relationships. Um, and of course, kindergarten was awesome. And, you know, every student loves kindergarten for all the fun things that you get to do. But it wasn't until uh, a bit later in my educational career, I was in high school and figuring out what I wanted to major in. Um, and I, I had the the inkling that I wanted to be a teacher. And because Ms. Nelson had such a positive impact on me, I thought maybe if I go back to kindergarten um, and a little bit of a Billy Madison sort of thing um, and get some experience uh, teaching some kindergartners at the end of the day, once my high school classes were done, um, that maybe I would have a little bit of a better idea about my future. And so she welcomed me and, you know, had me work with small groups and, do really fun things with the students. And that's where I really cultivated my passion for teaching. Um, but I think what Ms. Nelson represents there is the idea that you take an interest in your, your students' educational career long past the time that they leave your classroom. Um, and so she uh, was really inspired that I wanted to be a teacher and was gonna do anything that she possibly could to help make that dream a reality for me, so. Ms. Nelson. Well, and what I hear there is a common theme of relationship building, as you all have indicated earlier, is, is what's so important in the, in the tie into the social emotional learning that and the work that you're doing in that space. So um, I think absolutely that that all um, equates to a common theme of our conversation today. And I, I hope of what our listeners will take away of the importance of that in the classroom. So we just want to thank 
um, Mike, Anthony, and Sarah from Distinctive Schools, a great team um, working with several of CMU's partner schools here in Michigan um, and doing wonderful things in the space of social emotional learning. So we appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys.